I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, great to have you joining us once again for Theology Unplugged. Theology Unplugged is a ministry of Reclaiming the Mind Ministries, or uh, as we're transitioning our name, to Credo House Ministries. How long does this transition take? It's about a five-year transition yeah. plan. What, why does it take so long? Uh, just because, I don't know. Because change people don't like, and we're just we're yeah. trying to pull an end around to where we have both names for a long time, and then suddenly one name is gone, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, and we have, you know, you've written 2,000 posts, blog posts that are linked all throughout the web, and so oh, it, yeah, it's a little yeah. difficult to take all these links and to try and make sure that we don't just delete them all as well. So we're spending some time trying to make sure that when you actually click on that link that's from five years ago that you just found through Google, that that article still comes up. Sam, JJ, good to see you all. Great to be here. Good to be back. Um, we are going to continue our discussion on why I am slash not charismatic, the spiritual gifts. And uh, I think we'll be picking up here talking about only during this broadcast, and I don't know if it's going to go past this broadcast, but we're just talking about the gift or gifts of healing. Um, Tim, do we have That's anything right. to talk about beforehand? Um, not too much. Uh, right now, Michael and I, we're excited to, we're going to start on a bit of a, a road tr- road trip tour that we're going to go to some conferences over the next few months, and uh, we're excited we're heading to Chicago here. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, Michael, yours is at C. Michael Patton, is that correct? Yeah. Or if you just want to follow Credo House, because we'll be all over the U.S. Do you and keep up on if, that Twitter? Uh, Good. Twitter on, on Credo House? Twitter, yeah, I do. I do. And so if, if you want to tweet us or follow us, uh, then uh, as we're going around the country, uh, there's a good chance we might be driving by where you're at, and we'd love to meet you and, and interact and chat. So way, somebody, can, can I interrupt and ask a question? Sure. Yeah. What does the C stand for? Christopher. Oh, okay. I just wonder because I'm C. Samuel Storms, and I just always. What's your C? Charles. I, I was going to say Charles. Right. Yeah, you look like a Charles. It's just an age he thing. He looks you know? like a Chris. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. JJ, right. you look Sorry like a JJ. Sorry to interrupt the flow of uh, your flow. <laughs> well, isn't it terrible going by your middle name? Uh, it has been very difficult. Yes, especially going through the airport. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. A, it's interesting. I am unique at this table. I'm the only one that just has a plain old name, just Tim. It's not JJ or C Sam or C Michael. That might make you the least assuming, the least manneristic. Kind of the humble right. Yeah, I, I put the C in front of it to make myself sound a little <laughs> bit smarter. That makes me maybe more mysterious. I have nothing to. I'll hide. tell you who's got the smartest name that I know of. Who's that? Ed Komoshevsky. That's the best. Ed, if you're listening to this, I just I gotta give a plug out You've for got your a great name, name alone. You for got... your name alone, I'll, I'll read anything you put out just because of your name. Nice. That's just awesome. <laughs> hey, did you guys know that um, Church History is back in print? Church History magazine? In print form? Yeah. No, I yeah, didn't they're going back to print. They just they got this uh, little Christ- short deal Christ- on... Christian History. Oh, yeah. Wait. What did he say? It he said to- Church History. Oh, yeah. It was, it was Christian History, then Christian History and Biography, and I think they may be going back to their old just Christian history. I'm not positive, but we've got you know the latest one, which is celebrating the 400th year of uh, the Bible. Ch- Christian History, folks, is is a it's great is a really good magazine. Yeah, I subscribed to this for years. 
Yeah. So I'm glad to know it's back. If I was going to plug any two magazines, the two magazines I love the most are Christian History and Biblical Archaeology Review. Mm. Love both of those. You can geek out on both of those big time. Yeah. If you're a geek. Yes, that's right. If you're a geek, you geek <laughs> you, out you on it. Yeah, I've looked through that. I was blown away by the time they put into that, yeah. their brief yeah. history of hell a survey. It's good stuff. They work hard on this, and it's nice to see that they're uh, coming back out. Those are just back orders that I ordered because I was missing them in my collection. But uh, you, you can buy all of the collection for like 99 bucks, or wow. or most of the collection of all the uh, previous church history. I don't know where to send you guys, folks. You just have to look it up online. I don't know what their website is. It's changed from time to time. Well, Christianity seems. Today but, yeah. publishes it, doesn't it? So, I, I thought so, but so if they it seems the disassociated CT. now from that. Oh, okay. So we'll see. And if you are the head people of Christian History Magazine, let us know, and we can direct people your way. Okay. Um, continuing, guys, to talk about spiritual gifts. We talked last time about prophecy. Uh, and, and by the way, folks, you may not know that if you're listening to this. Sam and I are also talking about this on our blog on parchment and pen. So we're, we're kind of going back and forth with the same topics that we're covering here. We're trying to cover them first on the blog on parchment and pen and then come in here and cover them once again Fight in it a different out. format. Fight it out in the room. Well, yeah, get, get a couple other players in the game. I've been on vacation. Has there been much noise in the blogosphere in response to you guys or has it been quiet no sam and i keep on getting our posts longer and longer <laughs> <laughs> well it's like i thought i had really exceeded it and you <laughs> trumped me by a couple of thousand words this yeah, last time I, th- I think it shows though just uh, how much it how takes smart i am yeah how smart you are and just the wide vocabulary that you have the words that you have to it's choose nice from and you're a blabber <laughs> <laughs> My mom was always mad at me for not reading more Charles Dickens, but I, I just, for some reason, he drove me crazy, and then I found out later he was paid by the word, and I felt very vindicated. So Nice. Yeah. Well, you guys, are, you're kind of paid by the word, aren't paid you? Paid by the word. <laughs> I'd like to be paid by the word. Can I get a starting paid by the word on parchment? Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, let me set what the rate is. And no problem, brother. <laughs> okay, uh, guys, let, let's get back to this. We're going to be talking today about uh, the gift of um, healing. Or healings, right, Sam? Right. Heal, gifts of healing or gift of healings or the gift of healing? There's Actually, options. no, the, the, those are all wrong. <laughs> those are all wrong. Okay. <laughs> gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. Okay. Uh, and and we'll, we'll talk about so the mul- significance. So multiple gifts, multiple healings. Yeah. And, and so this is uh, one of those gifts that occurs in... This short passage in First um, uh, Corinthians chapter twelve occurs or occur. Hey, come on, we're, we're getting serious now. But <laughs> okay, okay. This short passage in First Corinthians chapter twelve, which really lists one after the other all of the gifts that we are talking about that are in this kind of debatable category, where one side believes that they have ceased, the other side believes that they are continuing. Uh, some people just don't know. We got a lot of people that are that are following us. Uh, it's interesting because we got a blog uh, poll out there, and you can see it's pretty well evenly divided. But you've got a lot of people that are just kind of I, I don't really know where to go with this mm. um, issue. Now, a lot of the times when we talk about this, uh, we're talking about something that is debated sometimes because of its sensational nature or seemingly sensational nature. And to overcome that is very difficult. I mean, is it not, guys? Is that not one of the hardest things that you guys face being charismatics? Yeah, I would say Benny Hen doesn't make my life easier. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I agree. You know, the, the, I guess there's just a, something in human nature that is drawn toward um, the fantastic, the sensational, um, anything that seems to break the norm of routine life, and and then we try to make that um, normative in ways that probably is somewhat unbiblical. It is, and it, and it happens in a lot of different areas. As you said, I think on our very first broadcast, you said that um, those of you who, who are adverse to this um, because of you know some of the debate and some of the sensationalism, yeah. uh, and you just want to play a hands-off type approach to this, you know, it's good the same thing with biblical prophecy. You know, you've got major sensationalism going on with that, especially with date setters. Mm-hmm. And so, in a lot of times, you know, you, you compare the issue of biblical prophecy and say, "I'm not a date setter, though. I'm not a date setter." You know, that's what you always have to kind of compare yourself with and disassociate yourself from. And whenever you're talking about the charismatic issue, it's, "I'm not been in." Yeah. You know, I, I'm not in that circle. Well, and none of us want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, especially at the circle. And I mean, because we we are continually praying to, talking about, uh, sharing the gospel with people about a very, very supernatural God who exists fully outside of of everything that we are. You know, he he exists outside of our universe. He exists outside of us. He is all powerful. He can do anything, and we don't want to push away any of that we don't want to punt any of that in any way there's two things i'm always looking for when someone wants to talk about either of those gifts and that's do they have an awareness of of deep heart idolatry and and do they have a theology of suffering and so Mm -hmm. you know those are two things that that nuance this immediately you know if someone can talk about gifts of healings and yet have a robust theology of suffering under the sovereign hand of god then i want to hear more of what they have to say yeah. Well, and that's what makes this so much more controversial. I'd say if we were talking about tongues, of course you guys know we're going to get to that soon, and tongues is very controversial on its own right. Uh, it can be very sensational as well. You talk about prophecy, and that can be too. I think all of these can be pushed. But whenever you're talking about healing, that's the thing. You know, you have you have healing uh, uh, people who who proclaim on TV to be healing people in wheelchairs and and places that um, that uh, where they bring large gatherings and and people come mm-hmm. from all over the state or all over the world. And people look at that and say, "Wow, I want to see something." I mean, whenever you hear something like that's going on, it's not as if you say, "I don't want to see that." It's controversial because I think a lot of people do want to see that, but then whenever they don't see it fulfilled, they they feel really ripped off. Yeah. Well, and and, and I think you can look at the New Testament times. I mean, when people heard that Jesus was healing people, they brought everybody to be healed, and and he would heal everybody. And so uh, I think it's very natural for us to see in the Bible that when it's heard that God will heal you if you come to this place, that is, it was attractive then, and it's attractive now. Well, you guys know, and say, I don't know if you guys have read all the read the posts that I wrote uh, on this, or the post that Sam wrote on this. I gave you the assignment to read them both before this. Did you? I, I, I tried my best. I, I I felt like I got the gist of both of them. No offense to your twelve thousand to fifteen thousand word post <laughs> in the midst of the rest of the things I do. But I yes. just had a lot of stuff to wax eloquent about, you know. <laughs> you wax very eloquent. Tim, was that this before or after you cleaned the toilets? So yeah, like, it was actually during. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I talked about how this affects, and and I'm sure it affects all of us very personally. But it affects me very personally because of a current situation with my mother and this 
desire to have her healed. And I've also come out, and I, I don't know how, how to take myself, okay? I, I don't really, as I've said, I kind of feel, I was talking to Tim, and I say, I always feel sorry for Sam because because it's hard to pin me down, and I don't know where I'm at myself. And so it's if, if we're make, trying to make arguments for one side or another, I don't really know what type of argument that I'm necessarily trying to make. Although, I think consistently, I seem to be coming down on more of a traditionalist, cessationist, at least sound like one. Would you all not agree? Um. Yeah, I think I think it's probably accurate. I think it's. I think you're still in the soft camp. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't. Did, you don't employ the arguments that somebody like Richard Gaffin would hmm. in our Four Views book, who is a traditionally reformed, hard cessationist. Um, uh, Dick Gaffin's a wonderful Christian man. He's taught at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia for decades, and uh, his approach to um, uh, the gifts is is one that's very similar to B.B. Warfield and others, but um, you typically don't appeal to some of the arguments that he would. At least I haven't heard you yet. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, typical for Gaffin, for example, would be his argument that the book of Acts records for us what he calls a closed and contained history mm-hmm. and that it's not in any way uh, designed by Luke or God uh, to provide us with pattern for church life and practices. Now, certain things are, but in terms of the supernatural and the miraculous, it was contained within the apostolic age, and uh, and, he, and he tries to argue that based on certainly based on theological concepts. He never cites a text. I appealed to him multiple times. Give me a text that suggests what you're saying, and he admitted that there are none. Hmm. Um, so I wouldn't put you in the hard cessationist camp of people like Gaffin, but more of a soft view. Um, what I like what I see you doing, Michael, is asking a lot of questions. I mean, you're almost like an empiricist in the sense of saying, okay, well, if I grant that, then what are the implications for this? Or, or if, we, if we allow that this is operable, if we cultivate this, what's that going to do for God's glory? Or how's that going to relate to our view of Scripture? Or how's that going to... Uh, affect the sheep, you know. So I, I see a pastoral heart in your questions. You're asking, you know, uh, are, are people going to be wounded by the implications of how this is used or abused or misused? I see. Is you it asking selfish for me? Questions. Is it selfish for me to want to be a charismatic in order to experience these things myself? Because whenever I talk about this, I say I, I want to experience healing. I mean, it's not just my mom, but I, I love to see that. I love to experience God's prophetic words that come to me and so is that a selfish thing that starts me rolling down this path i mean and isn't isn't it not wrong to want to well i think i don't i wouldn't call it selfish i think the there's a distinction let's take for example a biblical example um when uh, jesus was uh, denouncing the pharisees and he said a wicked and adulterous generation seeks for a sign and there have been some cessationists who have brought that text up and said, well, if, if you're looking for a sign, if you're wanting to see a healing or a miracle, are, are you not therefore uh, within the wicked and adulterous generation that Jesus denounces? And I, I think the answer to that is not necessarily. They were wicked and adulterous because they were in essence saying to Jesus, well, we might believe in you as Messiah if you'll jump through some supernatural hoops for us, perform some tricks, uh, do some signs. And honestly, from what we obviously know from the Pharisees, they had no intention of believing in him regardless. 
because they witnessed multiple signs and miracles. They heard reports. They must have seen him heal people in these mass gatherings when multitudes turned up, as in Luke 4. Uh, So their demand for a sign was motivated by trying to find an excuse to justify their non-belief. You're not doing what we ask, therefore you must not be Messiah. But if somebody comes to the Lord, as in Acts chapter 4, and where the early church said, Lord, extend your hand to perform signs and wonders and to heal those um, uh, who are sick, when it's motivated by a desire for the welfare of people and a desire for the glory of God to be manifest, that's not sinful or selfish. That's godly and good. And that doesn't mean... So in other words, you can you can long to see a sign and not be... Uh, part of a wicked and adulterous generation. It all depends on the motive that one has. Well, obviously, because as the way that you all have been arguing, I think through the broadcast and through the blogs, is that the primary purpose of the gifts is a benevolence of God, God's presence with us to encourage us to build us up. Um, the prophecy, the same thing. Uh, obviously, if we're talking about uh, a healing, that is something that builds us up incredibly, you know, in, in so many ways, not just because people are healed and restored to health, and but because you see God's presence, and you are absolutely encouraged by that. I have to keep defaulting to the image of a, of a parent with a child that have a really intimate, trusting relationship if if Isley, my daughter, every time she asked me, if the next time she asked me for something, if I couldn't give it to her and I couldn't explain to her why I couldn't give it to her, if she then stopped asking me for things, would that make me happier or would that grieve me? Mm-hmm. It would grieve me. I want my daughter to continue to ask, even when I can't always give her the things she asked for, even when she asks for things that she doesn't know enough to know she ought not have or would actually hurt her. But I never want her to stop asking. You know? yeah, I, so I, just, I just grounded my daughter intimacy. the other day for asking something <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> That's called nagging, right? Yeah. yeah. Tim, where are you at on this? Yeah. I, we haven't heard from you. I, I want to put you on the spot and just say, where are you at? I, I, I claim to be a non-charismatic who wants to be charismatic still. Yeah. How about you? You hard secessionist, aren't you? No, I, I, I'm well, still. How come I'm every still time after soft. they leave, you talk so bad about them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still soft. I'm still the the biggest issue for me uh, continually is church history. I mean, it, and it's you're not, still itching to get to that. It, and it's not church history, but it's more of a sense of why did the spirit not do this in the church in a way that it, we can see. And so I, over the last, until I would, I would say, and we're going to get there, but I would say, you know, up until almost the 1950s, maybe in this, uh, this way that, that we're talking about it today. So, so what so, you're saying is you, you trust church history more than you do the Bible. No, but what, no, I, I don't. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that when I, when I ask of, of, people who have come before me. So I don't believe in the tyranny of the living, as Chesterton said. So the idea that, that the people... Now, I'm not going to, though, take... <laughs> I'm not going to say that that Sam believes in the tyranny of the living, or JJ, because I know that they both love Chesterton. The I know Democracy of the dead. I, just, yeah. I love you more and more every day. <laughs> Keep quoting Chesterton. So, yeah. So what I'm going to do, though, is say, I'm a 21st century... I'm a 21st century American who is who is seeking to interpret the Bible with the power of the Spirit. So I'm going to ask Spirit, what have you been doing outside of my 21st century American uh, viewpoint to see how you have been leading God's people to interpret God's Bible in how to do church and how to view these things? And so, so I'm. 
I'm, I'm, I'm very much seeing the way Sam and, and JJ are interpreting this, but I'm asking why did the Spirit not have these gifts being operative through the days of Jonathan Edwards where he's trying to reach uh, Native Americans, and, and it'd be great to have those gifts at play at those okay, times. Okay, okay. So, you're you're so getting going, too much yeah, into I'm going that too right much. now. But what I would say about healing is uh, is that, that I'm so, – so for me, there's like always two layers of, of show. You know, I, I want to see the church doing this at a layer throughout history, but then I also – the second layer is then within these gifts, you know, of discussing that within this gift does this seem to be a biblical way to see this gift. And so, uh, so I think within prophecy, for instance, I would still – I'm still shaky of saying I don't even know if biblically if I'm holding to this – kind of newer form of prophecy from the Old Testament at one layer and then church history at another layer. But with healing, I mean, uh, this is, the problem for me is that there's so little, I feel like, evidence in the Bible to really show us very much of exactly the way that this gift is going to play its way out throughout the church. And of course that's true of other gifts as well. Word of knowledge and word of wisdom are mentioned one time in 1 Corinthians 12. They are never mentioned again by in any of Paul's letters. Now we may have examples of them in operation, especially in Acts, but uh, that's the only place where Paul Which is to which them. is why I'm gonna I'm gonna go all day long to say that God can heal and I'm gonna expect all day long for God to heal. You're now, gonna expect? Now, yeah, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna be You're in not gonna expect. Yeah, I mean yes I am. I'm gonna sit in expectation of my God. You're, you're gonna hope. You're gonna hope. Not expectation. No, no. I mean, I'm gonna. I mean, uh, well, that, that's I mean, gonna be a difference, though. And I, I want to press that a little bit. Well, but I think I'm okay. So I'm gonna expect it in the sense of if God does it, I'm not gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe He just did that. So I'm expecting it that He's gonna do it, but I'm not gonna be devastated if He doesn't. And so I am hoping, but I'm expecting in the sense that I'm going to believe he's going to do it. But what I'm not going to do is I don't see – so I'm going to expect God to heal all day long. But if I'm leading a church, I'm going to teach to say I don't really know exactly what the gift of healing is. So I'm not going to ever say that person can heal at whim or that person can usually heal somebody. I'm just going to say let's all just pray that God would heal somebody. But let's not connect that with anybody in our church. Is that the distinction between – uh, you know, if he does it, it's great. Versus silver and gold, have I not? But what I have, I give to you. You know that kind of confidence in the moment where someone mm-hmm. seems to possess a faith that God is present to heal a specific person at a specific time. Is that kind of what you're hinting at? Yeah, I think so. I think that I think that in general, what what, what I'm trying to say is that Tim saying I expect would almost be further than some of it, both you all would take it. I mean, you guys would take it to. Um, to a uh, maybe an expectation, but not a presumptuous ex- expectation. Well, right? and that's what I'm not being presumptuous. I'm not going to say, God, you're going to heal this person because I'm wielding my healing sword. And I'm yeah, but you're not going to go up to somebody and say, Hey, listen, you know, my mom's being wielded. Hey, I'm gonna, I expect you to get healed. You want to say that, would you? No, but I would say I'm gonna, no because I'm not going to give them. I mean, just what Sam and JJ talked about with prophecy. I'm not going to give them I this like, healing in general or healing in a specific person. We should expect. I mean, if someone is, is very ill and a group, the four of us who I believe walk with God closely, the four of us go and we say, let's in faith pray that this person would be healed. I'm going to walk in with confidence that God may heal this person. 
Um, now but, you just put may instead of expect. Well, so yeah, well, but, but what we're but, doing but, here is you're operating, Michael, with a hard definition of the word expect, and Tim's operating with a soft yeah, definition. Yeah, uh, so I'm operating <laughs> with more expect. like a human, more of like a normal day. Just well, he, I'm, I'm expecting. So, so, so here, let, me, okay, let me say this. Okay, okay I'm sorry. No, the reason why okay. I push this is because this is where it gets really hard on people. Is whenever they're listening to this and they think I should expect. Yeah. this to happen and the more I expect it the better it's going to be so, and this is where it gets pushed into that level where it gets not only controversial but possibly very much damaging someone spiritually exactly so that's what I'm going to do too I'm going to go into this situation so for instance there's a there's a pastor in the city that all of us are in um, that uh, there's some people very close to me that I know of where the pastor went in and said uh, the kid was in the uh, neonatal intensive care unit a baby that had just been born pastor goes in and says do not worry about it don't shed a single tear you guys just go home. Your baby's going to be totally fine. God's going to heal your baby. I would never in a million years say something like that. I believe that that is putting God on the stand, and uh, and I don't think any human being could say that with definitive proof. Just go home. Don't worry about it. Your baby will be fine. So that's what that pastor said. They went home and got the call that their baby had just died. And so they're disillusioned about everything. So I would walk into that NICU unit saying, God, give me, give me the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in there as if I'm going to walk out and not be touched by a flame. But if I don't survive, praise be to you. Uh, and and that's, that's the faith I'm going to have going in of praying for healing and hoping that God will heal that person, even expecting that God will heal, but I would never tell the parents, don't worry about it, God will heal your baby. I'd say, let's pray in faith that God would heal this child. And I would just I know I know why you said what you just did that never in a million years would you ever say that I've uh, I don't know how many people I've prayed for over the last uh, twenty three years that I've embraced the gifts of the Spirit probably several thousand um, and I've said it once and only once and I mentioned it in the blog post and um, I would say to to people don't ever even remotely come close to saying that unless it is quite literally impossible for you not to say it and it was for me in that instance and somebody might respond but well how how will i know whether it's quite literally not possible for me not to say it and my only response is you'll know it when it happens well let me me just finish this and and I've, i've like i said i've only had this happen well it's actually happened twice but i've only said it once in in praying for several thousand people um, and I think in that particular instance, uh, I, I wasn't thinking of it in the term, those, these terms when it happened. I think God imparted to me the gift of faith and that, I, that he simply made it impossible for me to doubt. And I did tell these parents of a two-week-old child who had a potentially fatal liver affliction that their son would be fine. Um, I would... You know, if one in maybe let's say I've prayed for five thousand people, which I probably have, one in five thousand, um, that's the only time, and it happened precisely as I feel like the Lord told me it would happen. So, so I would agree with you, Tim, in general. But at least from my theological point of view, I do allow room for the Spirit of God to grant the gift of faith in conjunction with a gift for a particular healing that would um, uh, warrant me in saying that to somebody. Now, 
One other instance it happened, and I, I had the same measure of faith, but I didn't say it to the person. And I think maybe that is what's important, is that even if God gives you that kind of faith and enables you to pray with great confidence and authority, you probably are, at least pastorally speaking, better off not saying to the people involved, oh, guess what? Your child will most assuredly be healed. Go home. Don't worry about it. Even if you believe that profoundly, yeah. it may be the better part of wisdom to keep it to yourself. Well, I don't think God's going to God's not going to punish you uh, or say, "Well, I gave you the faith to believe it, and you didn't have enough faith to say it." I yeah. don't think God operates that way. Yeah, I don't think. So, what? Why do you think you said that? Like, what was at stake? Like, why? Why didn't you just bite your tongue? And because it really wouldn't have changed the situation. Do you think? That's right. That's why. In the multiple thousands of instances which I've prayed for people, I've only done it once. So you just you just couldn't help. It, it was the most one of the most profound moments of my Christian life. But, uh, I, but, I don't but know you how were... else to explain it. It was so in irresistibly obvious to me. It wasn't. But see, here's the difference. Let me, let me explain something. Here's where the problem comes in. Is that, and I don't know what the motivation was or the background of this pastor you're talking about. But in certain circles within the so-called charismatic movement, particularly the word of faith Mm -hmm. uh, uh, wing of that movement, there is this idea that even if I don't have that that supernatural surge of confidence that God is really going to heal this person, I have to say it anyway, and that somehow that will count for faith, or somehow that will bolster my faith, or it will somehow breed everybody... Uh, a, a deeper confidence and faith, and it's, so it's kind of like this: I've got to concentrate, and I've got to f- make sure I dispel doubts. I've got to resist and suppress any sense I have in my soul that this might not happen. Let me tell you: when God grants you the gift of faith, you don't have to worry about that. You can't doubt. It's not like you're trying not to. You, I tried to doubt and couldn't in that particular yeah. case. So, but you wouldn't have said you had the gift of healing at that time, would you? Or, or maybe a gift at that particular time? I think in you? retrospect, I think God imparted a charisma, a singular gift for a particular healing for that one child. And I said in the blog post, if I had walked out of that office door and another parent had come in with another baby with maybe an identical affliction, I would have not necessarily had any confidence whatsoever that the same result so would So you're not come. like, I'm on a roll, baby. Let's no. just bring in all the kids. The, the gift wasn't in my back pocket to apply to anybody at my will. It was a sovereign work of God. Yeah. So, Sam, you, whenever we talk about the gift of healing, gifts of healing, gifts of healings, whenever we talk about that, you're going to distinguish and say that that moment you had a manifestation of the Spirit of God through the gift of healing that was that was umbrella, under the umbrella of faith to some degree, kind of connected, and it worked then, and you haven't ever been able to do it since. I wouldn't say I've, I've never been able to do it since. There was there was one other case when I felt like the gift of faith was granted in conjunction with a gift for healing. Okay, so two times in your entire... Yeah, but that doesn't mean I've never seen other healings. I have. No, no, but no. They but haven't been, they haven't been... Uh, conjoined, as it were, with this what I what, and I'm stealing D. A. Carson's uh, language here. This supernatural surge of extraordinary confidence. Mm-hmm. No, it's only happened on, and as far as my experience is concerned, twice in 
over 20 years. Well, I think, folks, that that is going to be a preview for what's going to we're going to have to talk about next time is this idea of that a gift, this gift, and we've talked about this with prophecy, but this gift as well is something that is uh, itinerant, right? Uh, that's where we'll go with it. It, it can by itinerant. I mean, it can go from one place to place or person to person. It doesn't necessarily stay with you the whole time. There's nobody out there because here's the common thing that everybody says is, Bring them all to the guy who has the gift. Let them go to the hospitals. we got to cover that next time. Right. Important, though. All right, Tim, we done? We're done. We'll close this out. Okay. For uh, <laughs> Michael, for JJ, for Sam, I'm Tim, and this has been Theology Unplugged. You've been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. Theology Unplugged is made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you've enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit the RMM homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.